You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guest today is Ben Cardall. Ben is a really interesting person and we are lucky to have him on the show. He calls himself the deductionist and he's basically the real-life Sherlock Holmes. Uh, He's a stage magician and mentalist, but he also is the director of a security company and actually works with the police to help them solve cases. Really cool guy, fascinating conversation about the power of the mind. They also get into the philosophy of stoicism, which is interesting, and Ben also talks about a mnemonic technique that he teaches called the memory palace. Truly amazing stuff. Stick around for the whole thing. Thank you for being here. Here we go. Good morning and good evening, fellas. Mm-hmm. Um, Satch and I, of course, are in um, the U.S. in Southern California, and Ben Cardall is who is speaking with us right now. Uh, ben, where are you from? Uh, I'm from I'm from England, right in the uh, right in the centre of England, in a in a place called Staffordshire. Um, we we are quite literally right in the middle, uh, in the middle of it all. Not quite northern, uh, not not quite southern. Uh, the Staffordshire is located in in a place that's called the Midlands. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we 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 couldn't get any more central to be fair <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> you know ben uh uh the chinese word for china is jongguo which means center or middle country yes yeah is that the I'm center like... of everything <laughs> are you guys the center of anything yeah <laughs> uh we we are um quite good at exporting rock stars um ah. oh uh, slash was born here Mm. Uh, Lemmy was born here. Um, that's uh, th- those are the ones that we we tend to shout about. Robbie Williams was born here, but we tend to keep quiet about that one. Uh, mm, very cool <laughs> as well. Um, so Ben, um, I understand you are known as the deductionist. Correct. Okay, so yeah, could, how did you get that name? And uh, I mean, is that something? Was that slapped upon you, or uh, is that just sort of what emerged? Uh, well, it, uh, to be honest, it's um, it, it's flagrantly stolen from an episode of Elementary. Um, they were they were they were the first people to do it, um, and then I I was uh, in, in terms of my performance career, I was I was looking for like a, a good kind of name, you know, a good kind of hook for the web series that I was doing at the time uh, as well, and that fell right in my lap as uh, as something really cool. Um, and so I started to talk about myself being the deductionist because I, I kind of cut my teeth um, in the industry as as the real Sherlock Holmes, and I, I worked the BBC Sherlock conventions as as the real Sherlock Holmes, uh, and it, the name just kind of took off. It's essentially, it, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> the name, it, it just sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and you went with the deductionist. I mean, you probably went like, oh, see, the, the, the deducinator. No, 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 that's not right. You know, and then eventually, yeah, right. Yeah. Elimination. I, I, there was several horrible ones. We, there was the deduction man at one point. Um, okay. the, the, then it, there was all kinds of like sort of pseudo superhero sounding titles, the deduction uh-huh. guy, the deduction thing. And I'm like, no, I'm laboring this point. It's terrible. And then yeah. the deductionist was like, ah, you know, that proverbial 
well, not so much a light bulb, more of an illuminous pipe went off yeah. um, uh, <laughs> above my head. I was like, "That's it! I'm, 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 I'm running with it." And then uh, we uh, we did like a, a series of T-shirts when uh, when the monographs came out, and uh, everybody went absolutely crackers for them, uh, and it became this whole kind of. I am the deductionist uh, thing, you know, that, that anybody with a, with an interest in that in that way of life can declare themselves to be. It's it's a mm-hmm. great little title, and I, oh, I think it's great. I think it's super cool. Yeah, I like it. And you probably had to say, no, honey, not the seductionist, <laughs> the deductionist, <laughs> right? <laughs> awesome. But that 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 came up um, with from uh, I, I believe uh, you know of uh, Anthony Jackwin as well, Carlos. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, when um, when I was putting out a book just for mentalists, I was trying to come up with a catchy title, obviously something Sherlockian, because that's what the entire material was based around. And uh, Anthony came back, why don't you just call it Speed Deduction instead of like Speed Seduction? Uh, and they're like, <laughs> it, it should have been called Speed Deduction. I was like, that's that's amazing. And I'm now claiming that as my own. Uh, that's the first nice. time I've ever told anyone that it wasn't actually my title. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was Anthony Jacqueline's Pearl of Wisdom uh, at the time. And it just stuck. It was it was brilliant. Speed seduction. Uh, speed deduction. Excuse me. Ah, very good. Very good. Right. Spe- speaking of body language and subconscious. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> She's um, gone now. It's fine. We can talk real. It's okay. 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 All right. All right. <laughs> Speaking of her, uh, you did a, a little mini class that I was in yes. um, a while back. And um, in the exercise, you had us taking a look at the snapshot. Correct. And um, at the end, I remember of, of, of all of this, you revealed that this, you know, Yes, yes, yes. These are the things that are true. And how do I know this? Because this is my fiance and I know yeah. her very well. And these, yeah. how I know this is true. And that was really, really cool. I enjoyed well, that, that. That's, that's what I, I love about um, this, this type of material. You know, it, when, when you're analyzing a video or a photo or, or something along them lines, it's, it's very difficult to get um, confirmation that the, that the techniques you're using are are working you know and it's and it's a hundred percent going directly towards where you want it to you know how else could i provide like so instant clarification without without uh, without using her you know and that's they um they they form uh, uh, i say they now collectively uh, my friends family they they fall into my lessons a lot because people get to use these techniques and i can provide instant confirmation in terms of um how accurate you are or not you know if, if if it's working it just turned out in the class you guys were spot on uh the 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 whole time but yeah it was it's it's great and it's it, it's a joy for me as well considering i spend a lot of my time working online now so i, I still i still get to i still get to look at her and um talk about her it's it's lovely well, I have to say, um, if anybody's listening to this and, and starts Googling um, and, and, and there's a class that pops up that Ben does, you really ought to sign up for it. It's, it's, you're, you're an entertaining teacher. You know, you, you uh, present with, um, I mean, the pace is great. Um, you're challenging uh, the students enough to where we feel engaged and kind of drawn in. But also, I don't know, just maybe the, the flow, the design of, of, of the classes, I think, are, are really well done, very elegant, and I appreciate it. 
Well, yeah. I, I appreciate your kind words. Thank you. Um, it was it was designed with um, so much of the. I mean, there's there's courses everywhere, especially since uh, since COVID um, and the like. But I I think that when I I wanted to really make mine as personal um, as as I could, it would need to be designed with a way to almost weaponize the knowledge that you've got from just living from just existing so so much um knowledge that you're taught as a case of this is new and how to do it now and you forget about everything else that you could bring to the table ahead of time so with this course you get to bring all of that forward and uh, and and use your you know your life experience and your life knowledge as well as all as uh, as all of the other you know kind of cool tricks and observations that you can use to to gain information about uh, dating profiles at the time it was called dating with yeah. the deductionist we did it with um uh, love with intelligence uh, and it That's was a true. way to um protect yourself within within the online dating world and really make as informed a decision as you possibly can in terms of who you you know who you are willing to spend your valuable time with and sort of uh, you know give them a piece of your vulnerability because that that's capitalized on in equally positive and negative ways at times which is which is sad to see yeah it is um and just to, just to kind of reiterate some of what you said. I mean, the the class itself, uh, just for those who are listening, it it was it's a bit like, you know, what kinds of things could you detect or pick up from just looking at a profile itself so that you can maybe see some of the major landmarks in a person uh, that they're showing you, um, you know, maybe potentially to avoid uh, problems, you know, online stalking and yeah. narcissism and uh, violence and all these kinds of things can can arise from from um, well, let's put it this way: you can be put into dangerous situations when you're whenever you're meeting someone you don't know yet. Absolutely. And the class was kind of an introduction to the idea that maybe you could make some uh, decent, um, educated guesses uh, mm -hmm. and perceive what what's being shown in, in such a way that it could protect you as you go into dating. So for those who are um, either worried about, you know, being harmed in that way and are nervous about getting into the dating world yeah. or on the other end of it, they just want to understand more about the person that they're getting to know, maybe even ask better questions because yeah. of it. Uh, this is a kind of class that would introduce you to the basically the art of or the, the skill of profiling. Well, thank you, uh, thank you uh, again as well. But um, the the thing that comes up from that in in terms of the uh, uh, the protect certainly the protective measures that you can take um, during the the creation of said course. There's a lot of back and forth between uh, myself and Lily and Jonam, and we were on a Zoom call one time, and Jonam said to me, uh, "What do you think of this guy?" Now, mm. um, immediately when somebody poses a question like that to you, your antennas go. Uh, straight, straight up, you know that this isn't uh, this isn't going to be uh, your conventional, um, you know, John Hancock kind of fellow. And uh, using what we were going to teach as part of the course, uh, it was it was confirmed that I'd I'd managed to figure out that this guy was um, he was a he was a child killer, um, and he it was the it was the dating profile of him and the concerning element particularly when it comes to you know uh, profiles 
Uh, not not just on dating websites, you know, Facebook, Twitter, everyone that's got a kind of profile of who and what you are has been uniquely crafted based on how you want to be perceived um, by the world at large. And uh, the concerning thing from the dating element is there's there's no way to run background checks at the minute. You know, if you are if you are on any number of registers, you can still set up a uh, um, a dating profile. And this guy who uh, who I forget his name. I just remember uh, he was Scoob something uh, on his uh, on his dating profile. Um, he didn't actually have a criminal record at the time, so it was uh, it was a way of figuring out as much information as possible about this guy. Uh, and, and based on the way that Jonah asked the question, you know, it was going to be. Uh, uh, dodgy, yeah, uh, as, the, as the case may be, uh, and that, that was my thinking at the end of it, and it turned out to be uh, completely true. He was a Canadian child killer. Wow, wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I think everybody wants to know how to how to have that skill, you know, to <laughs> avoid that person in your life. You know, hundred percent. Gosh, and I think there are, there are a lot of people who just are either ignorant to the idea that you could detect those things or they doubt that it's true. They, they feel that it's a bunch of BS, you know, and, and that it's not possible to, to detect those things or they, they assume that, you know, all of this is just sort of silliness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, that hasn't been my experience, but, but Ben, how, how would you respond to that? Um, it, well, it's completely true. Uh, like people do tend to fall into those categories. Um, a lot of the time, and you, you tend to see a lot of the uh, oh, it's complete silliness um, when it comes to people in the magic and mentalism community that, for how you know they purport themselves to be uh, you know capable of doing such wondrous things that when somebody shows them something that they immediately don't understand, it's 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 poo pooed. You know how right. how dare you be coerced into working hard to achieve something. <laughs> um, you know, um, and so my, my answer to this is normally the same. It's it's along the the kind of Dunninger line. What, whatever you want to believe, you're you correct. Uh, at, at the end of the day, you're entitled to your own beliefs based upon whatever worldviews you have. The only thing I can do uh, from my side is tell you about the things that I go through on a day to day basis to sharpen these skills. Because like as of November this year, it'll be 21 years, and I've never skipped a day of training um, ever. Uh, the wow. only the only thing that differs in in terms of uh, of how long I actually train. Um, because I'm, I'm fortunate enough now to be working more within this field, so I don't have to be fastidiously practicing as much. Um, but yeah, in terms of that, I could, I could talk about like the fact that I don't work as much in in the uh, in the mentalism community anymore because I'm legitimately working as a as a director of a of a security company at the moment, doing this on a on a global basis. I I, I take cases, I assist with the police. Um, and in, if it were all silliness, they would be the type of people to call you out on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, they're the first people to go. You're bringing nothing to the table. Go away, <laughs> because this is this is this is serious. This is, you know, people are harmed in in these types of scenarios. Um, so yeah, I, my my short answer is is always going to be you can believe whatever you'd like. Uh, it's not my job to convince you this 
proverbial you um, of of the veracity of my skills or not. You can test them all day and all night. I don't claim to be certain about anything because we, you know if we in reading body language uh, and all of these other non-verbals, if it were certainty, it would be a science. We could apply equations to it and get light years ahead of the outcome based upon that. Uh, which which we can't do, um, and the, I, I think yes. that differentiation in terms of belief comes down f- to people claiming that they are certain when when they can't possibly be certain. Yeah. I can yeah. I, I can tell you this is all of the evidence I've got. This is the conclusion that I've come to based upon this evidence. Do with that what you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it it reminds me a lot of. Um, Okay, for example, if, if, if you're a, a highly trained healthcare person in your field, mm-hmm. you can just glance at somebody and know that, okay, I, this person probably had a stroke because yeah. of the contracture pattern that you see in their right arm. And you, you start to piece these things together, and it becomes really quite obvious what happened. Now, could you be wrong? Well, sh- certainly. Maybe it wasn't quite a stroke. Maybe it was a head injury, and it's yeah. making a stroke. But, but the point is, um, you do something long enough and you develop a skill, um, it, it, it can appear kind of magical, first of all, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but then if you really analyze how you came to that conclusion, it's usually pretty logical. And you can just like, well, there's this, there's that, don't you see this, don't you see that? And you start to piece it together and it's telling you a story. Um, and it sounds like what you do is that. It's just not, not as familiar to people. I, I, absolutely. That's, I think that's uh, born out of my love and... Uh, I'll be fair. Obsession for, for Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> let's let's be real, right? Yeah, let's be uh, honest. <laughs> and it, it was it was Sherlock that was quoted as saying, uh, "A conjurer gets no credit when once he has revealed his secrets." And if I show you too much of my working, you'll see I'm a very ordinary man after all. And on mm. in pretty much every story, the the police are left baffled, and then Sherlock goes, "It's this, 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 and this," and everyone tends to go, "Oh, okay." And and then uh, and then and then carries on. Um, uh, it's just that the uh, the sort of the journey, I guess, would be the best word from observation to conclusion in the real world is just a bit longer than um, than uh, than Sherlock makes it look. That's all uh, because mm-hmm. you can never be too sh- like even close to too sure when you're only dealing with two or three observations that point in the right direction mm-hmm. you want like five six seven things that are pointing you um in the way that you need to be going yeah it sounds like the collection of evidence you're collecting evidence to you right. know yeah now um to do this 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 sort of set of skills that you have and um considering your obsession with sherlock <laughs> um how much of this is stuff that you ended up learning from other people, other sources, and how much of this is stuff that you ended up just discovering out of necessity? Wow! Oh God, uh, I, it's it's got to be uh, it's got to be an equal measure because, like, I, I am one of these people that um, I I don't discount anything. I, I I've sort of coined my own little phrase in that everything is relevant until it's not, um, because I I could never really prepare for the situations that I'm going to end up in. I can only prepare for my reaction and my capabilities when I enter into them. Mm. Um, so I, if, if I come across uh, topics and books and courses, I take them 
regardless of whatever the outcome is uh, at the end, if I got nothing from it, then it's an experience and I've met new people. Then I've, I've learned some more about this, you know, this cultural dynamic or the way that this person says this or this display in this person, you know, um, so it, it, it would be difficult to put a percentage on because the lines are very much blurred. Mm. Uh, but I can give you an example from um, the, the new book that I'm working on, which is a, which is a follow-up to the monographs. Um, and so if the monographs were, if Sherlock Holmes were a real person alive today, what, how would he do it sort of thing? Mm. The second one is more if House, um, House MD, were a real mm. person alive today, what would be in his head. So um, I took a degree in medicine. Um, I got qualified as a doorman, a bouncer. Uh, so I could start to put all of this into like, into work. You know, I've got, a, I've got a lot of medical knowledge, just book knowledge, but that's very different <laughs> mm -hmm. um, to, to putting it to work with, with actual human beings that are struggling with something. And so in terms of the work experience that I got there, it, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, one thing to have your own observations about what they're coming in to to see you about and then they tell you about something completely different so it's very much learning um from the people but based on books uh, and everything mm. else that gets you there as well um like somebody tasked me with with trying to figure out if it is really possible to um differentiate I think uh, in the in the home stories, it's like 140 different types of tobacco ash. In uh, in BBC Sherlock, it was 143 or something like this. Ridiculous number. Um, and and since I I can't get into any forensic science labs, I that this that's one of the things that I sought to try myself. So I got a sh I got a shed um, outside, and I, I draft excluders around the side, sellotaped out all of the the windows, everything that would stay in there. And I, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have friends all over the world at the minute. So I'm, I'm sending PayPal receipts and everything to everybody to send me whatever's legal for them to be able to send me through the post in terms of cigarettes and pipes and tobacco. And I, I sat in a shed for weeks, just going through all of these different experiments with cigars, with the way people roll them up with cigarettes, with pipes, with vapes and everything else. And uh, I, I came away with the ability to, to differentiate nine different types, <laughs> no more, uh, no less. But that was, that was foolish on my part because I'm asthmatic. So I was, I'm, I, I was in a, in a bad state for a, for a good long time afterwards. I was just oh going to say, goodness. and I emerged with a tobacco addiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got to say, I, I, I love the dedication. Yeah, absolutely love you. the dedication. You know, you, you got to dive in, you know, and you never know what you're going to learn, right? It, it, exactly. It, exactly. You know, I always find that if you, if you come across that thing or that topic or that book or that person and you immediately think, no, before you've even tried it, that's, uh, the way I rationalize that is it, that's my mind going, you blinkers on. So I, mm. I, I can't, I can't even learn anything, even if there was the opportunity to learn because I've already stopped myself from doing it immediately. How, how do I know until I try? Like the, I, there was that classic phrase, you know, how do you know how, if man's capable of flying until you actually jump, but somebody had to jump for us to understand, yeah, we don't fly so very well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, the, the kind of philosophy that I, uh, I live by. I don't know until I have a go sort of thing. There's your principle. Everything is relevant until it isn't. Yes, yeah. exactly.
exactly. That, that's that's um, reminding me of of uh, the principle of modeling in NLP. You know, one of the principles of modeling, um, at least a certain type of modeling, is that that you're absorbing pretty much everything about mm. the person, and you don't differentiate. I mean, after you go through the process, you don't really differentiate until you're duplicating the skills. Yeah. And as you're duplicating the skills, then you start to sort of one by one remove the things that might not be or might be peripheral and not necessary. And you see if you can still produce those skills without that trait or attribute until you Absolutely. get sort of a bare bones version of what that skill is. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. My uh, my 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 NLP knowledge is is limited uh, at best, but I I couldn't agree more with that description. It, it's it's very um, uh, virtually scientific uh, in its in its conclusions. Does this work? No. Okay. Well, this, this, does this work? No. And then then you eventually come down to it. Yeah, that's 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 how I like to live um, as as best of, as best as I can. It keeps me open. Um, on an observational level, uh, you know, it, it keeps me open on an informational level. And, and at the end of the day, that's, that's what I need to be able to do my job. Um, there was, um, there was a, a, a case that, um, I, I, I won't be speaking too much about cause I'm not allowed. Um, but, um, we, we had to travel to Dubai and I've, I've never been, uh, to that part of the world, never really worked with um, uh, anybody from the Emirates or uh, e indeed anybody of, of an Arabic descent at all. Um, and so I, I'm ferociously reading as much as uh, as I can about the culture and the displays and the languages and, you know, the, the, the deference and the way you speak politely to others. Um, but it's only really being inside that culture that you can go, okay, this is people okay so this is the change between friendships and this is how it it works colloquially and the like and so yeah it's I very much very much agree with that i, I like that uh, i like that sentiment um well i was gonna ask um ben you know i i in, in a video that i saw um you were talking about things like um like a like a double shoulder shrug versus a single shoulder shrug and where voices coming from and eyelid flutters and things like that. And that was one of the things I was curious about asking is, um, um, have you found that there are universal things that all humans show versus things that we have to learn from our culture? Like for example, in India, um, they say yes by moving their head like this. Right. And so like, you know, I, and I, one of the jokes I always make is you go to a place like Japan and say hello, and then what do you do in the United States? Hey, what's up? You know, like we do a reverse <laughs> head bow, you know, so a lot of stuff is learned, yet it seems like there are universal expressions like of disgust, for example, mm. things like that. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on that and how has that influenced you or what do you have to be careful of? I, uh, in, in terms of the universalism, uh, I think you you really have to be cautious when it comes to um, any expectations that you've got that it's going to go one way or the other. It's it's nice to have that kind of preparedness information in terms of this is what I could be dealing with um, at the times, but given live personal reads um, uh, in, in a non kind of psychic demonstration, but when you're actually reading a person. Mm -hmm. um, you you risk uh like a like a version of cognitive bias 
um, in that sense, where where if you if you're going to expect, that's not to say it doesn't exist, but if if you're going to expect a degree of of universalism, then uh, that's that's going to skewer how you truthfully read the information that's being given to you. Um, in terms of my experience of that, I've I've found that there are only one or two things that everybody tends to do like um in england uh, and right the way across the board there's never a real need to learn anybody's name because whether you are professional or whether you're friends or not you are you're you're a mate you're a you're a pal you're a friend you're a guy you're a dude you're a chief you're, you're one of these yeah. things and so using the use of somebody's name is is it tends to have the the opposite effect uh, that most influence uh, and persuasion books would would tell you that it does. Whereas if like uh, I'm talking to somebody out in the streets and they and they would say, "Oh yes, Ben, I completely." Hmm. Why are you calling me Ben? It's oddly snooty. Do you not like me? Oh, and, and the, got it. Yeah, the, yeah. This this is the 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 cultural differences that you that you tend to see. So when. When somebody is uh, from England and they're they're calling you uh, mate, pal, they, it doesn't intimate that they haven't got a vested interest in what your identity is and who you are. That's just how we talk, <laughs> uh, and mm -hmm. and the like. So in in terms of it, it's it's a topic that should be a never ending search, in my opinion, because uh, cultural changes facial expression changes uh, and the like uh, the the shrug patterns the blink rates any response to any given stimuli is is going to change from person to person like uh, there are those that express sadness on their face by not moving at all uh, and there are those that express sadness on the face with the tradition. I can't fake it, but with the traditional eyebrows raised and pulled together, the slackening of the cheeks, the slight depression in the buccinators. The, the, the one thing is is displayed um, in a, in a number of different ways. So when it when it comes to that aspect, in short, I would I would just urge uh, anybody that's looking to learn more about that to keep it in the arsenal. You know that if you if you see this that you've recognised as being linked to, towards disgust or a notion of uh, asymmetric behaviours and a lack of enthusiasm in what they're saying, keep it on the back burner, and then hmm. seek to drive the conversation one way moving forward so you can confirm, revisit the topics that made that kind of display initially. So if they display the same way again, you start to be able to. You know, do the things that uh, you know the, the the computers do. You just do them on a on a visual level as well. It's it's a lot to keep track of. Do not get me wrong, mm. <laughs> but that's 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 the that's the risk that you take in in short in shorting yourself of that information to go. Oh, I've seen this, therefore it's this. That's that's the risk that you run. It, it requires um, further examination until you can mm -hmm. be absolutely sure as sure as you're going to be anyway mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah thank you yeah well speaking on a variation of that idea um obviously you're, you're referring to sometimes the tendency to to just kind of have a knee-jerk response to something because you, maybe you learned it somewhere and then you've got this kind of uh automatic association that you're creating but 
sometimes that works to your advantage, right? Um, uh, and, and my question is, is around that. Um, aren't there sometimes when you just get a sense that you know that something is true without directly noticing the pathway in your mind to how you got to that conclusion? So in other words, how far does intuition enter into what you do? Intuition being defined for this conversation as unconscious pattern recognition. Um, and you sometimes kind of step back and go, I actually don't know how I know this, but I know it. Oh, yeah. All, all the time, all the time. Um, and it, it, to me, like the way I rationalize that, that's just the years working, working for me. Uh, I could, I could give you another Sherlock quote. He, he would say, uh, uh, two and two is four. We're quite sure of the fact, and yet it would be difficult to explain why. Which, which is the exact nature of, of that working for you. You see a person, you may have just eaten up all of their nonverbal information that they have to give you and arrived at this, conclu at this conclusion without being kind of consciously aware, um, you know, on, on whatever level of, of the information uh, getting there. I, absolutely. The, the things that I do um, nowadays, because uh, I've, I've kind of learned the hard way uh, initially, I, I was like maybe a decade ago I'd arrive at this conclusion and in my head I'd be going, no, I need to know why I need a more sure footing. I need, I need a uh, more reliable data. And it would, it would, you know, it would harm conversations. It would harm a performance. It would make it longer than necessary. Anything along those lines. Nowadays, if I'm at something initially that I can't always verbalize straight away, I'll keep going and I'll seek to, test the waters one way or the other see if there are different scenarios that i can put this person in excuse me um where i can i can force a reaction that would maybe confirm or deny one way or the other mm -hmm. i can get them to give me the information that would confirm or deny one way or the other um so yeah it's it it's unsettling um at times if you um if you've ever watched my video that I did with uh, shoes. Um, there was um, it's it's quite ingeniously entitled the shoe effect. <laughs> How creative! <laughs> I know. I, t I told you I'm terrible at coming up with names. Uh, I need <laughs> I need the I need the writers of elementary to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so what I did with that was um, it was at the uh, the Sherlock Holmes Hotel in London. So it's on Baker Street, and there's a there's a sea of a, 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 about a hundred people in there uh, and it's a fairly informal performance they just sort of gather around uh, an opening um and so I, I was blindfolded from the beginning so i've sat there with this blindfold on and it's a genuine blindfold um I, i'm sat there with this blindfold on and i'm just listening the whole time listening 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 and i've been had this on for about half an hour and uh, so when it comes to the first performance I, I kind of take it off and the light is very bright and I've, I've gone around and I've taken everyone's name. Blindfold goes back on. And then a couple of people come up and place whatever shoe they feel comfortable taking off onto the table. Um, and so my job is to then uh, get some details about the person whose shoe it is and then give it back to the exact person um, that, that brought it up. And when I'm, I'm going through uh, the details about the shoe, 
that's because that's figuring out like what kind of a house they live in if they smoke what kind of a diet they've got this, this type of thing which is which is fairly i can explain that uh, ahead of time but when it comes to the exact person in my head i'm just going it's like a little voice going it's this one it's this one give it back to this person listen to me it's this person take it over there and so i you'll see on a couple of them i'm kind of like is it you and <laughs> i'm i'm not 100% confident and yeah. they've and, and and you know it, it turned out you know successfully the the gods were smiling on me that stage and uh it, it was all it was all correct but that's it's it's an unsettling situation to be in given my uh my affinity for as scientific a research as i can possibly do with within the, the topics that i'm interested in hmm. so yeah it's uh it's a fun situation, but unnerving uh, at, at the start. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, well, yeah, you know, performing is tough no matter what you're doing. And it sounds like what you're doing is, I mean, it's so in the moment, so live. If you're doing that kind of work, it's you're, you're taking a lot of risk, you know, when, when, yeah. when you do that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I'm sorry, you're going to say something? I, 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 was, I was just going to say that's that's part of the thrill of it for me that's that's what um that's what keeps me so focused and what i'm told keeps me so engaging uh, you know a, a number a number of performers you see do the the same patter lines a thousand times or they say the same words a thousand times yeah. and you get that kind of uh, effect from them <laughs> that that's what i love about uh, the way i work like i'll have an idea of what i want to do whether it works or not, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll mm -hmm. see. <laughs> Dopamine rush. <laughs> yeah. It's a dope so, dopamine team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna ask um, because a lot of what you do is, you know, gathering data from different categories that I'm sure you've have developed and you know figured out. Um, do you ever find yourself learning things about yourself by noticing some of the things that you display? Like, for example, um, maybe you catch yourself moving, behaving, doing something certain way, and you recognize, oh, that's that thing that means this. Oh, I didn't realize I was feeling that way. You know what I mean? So, like, how how much insight do you gain from 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 that? On a on a self reflective uh, kind of position, it, it's not until um, like I've actually finished um, a, a performance piece that that I get a moment to kind of revisit what it is that I did. Um, which so it, it doesn't happen that often because I, I'm I'm so sort of uh, my my phases are set to observe everybody else that I, I'm I'm rarely so. Uh, opportunistic to to get to put it back on myself, but in terms of um, when I am not challenged in a physical sense, but challenged in a in a performance sense, in a in a directional sense by a group of males, um, mm. and and everybody knows the type when I say that a group of mm. guys, a group of dudes, you know, um, and they're like every time when I'm challenged by that, I tend to. I tend to get quite sort of non-verbally confrontational, <laughs> like uh, oh, okay. which which harms the way that it's going to go, and it and it shouldn't really be perceived that way because 
I, I don't I don't care if you've never looked into nonverbals at all. If somebody's turning confrontational towards you, you'll pick it up. You know. <laughs> you'll and I'm I'm not a small person. You know, I, I'm I'm six foot two. I'm eighteen stone. Like I'm 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 a big person. So like when I thankfully I don't do it as much anymore. But initially when it would happen, I, I tend to find that you know I'm. I'm talking this way around and i'm quite animated in how i talk and then the challenge comes and then immediately i'm like and i i just i look at them for a, a little bit too long you mm. know I, th I think the uh, research dictates that we should look away every six seconds or so uh and and i'd hold it till till about you know sort of eight ten seconds and so if i if i was doing it to this uh to to my yeah i'll check my mm. glasses i still work um <laughs> So if I was, I'd sort of hold it like, um, uh, what was that? You've got a question, and then just then just hold it for got that it. moment. Yeah, and I, I shouldn't really be doing that. And it was kind of this knee jerk response because, like, I am I am quite verbally uh, confrontational, not in a not in an argumentative kind of power dynamic way. It's just mm. I I don't mind voicing my own opinion about anything to anyone <laughs> so when when um when that that comes to me initially and i'm kind of like uh, turning it in that's not something i, I should really be, be be doing because if it's mm. perceived by anyone else that harms the future work that i'm going to do with them uh moving forward from there so yeah that was that was definitely one of those moments and i think it's i think it's a very valid point as well because if if you're not reflecting on what you do and how you do it and you know it, where, where's the room for self-improvement uh, and the like you know don't don't all athletes watch the tape of the game uh, mm -hmm. afterwards mm -hmm. to to learn about what it is that they were doing and how they could uh, improve their form going forwards so yeah i, I think yeah. it's a i think it's a valid point that you've made that to, yeah. to have that opportunity for yourself and it certainly helped me yeah you, you know um of course you know i don't have your skill set right <laughs> but there's there's a similar um experience that i had once with a dog right because dogs have the ability to understand all kinds of things about humans that we don't perceive ourselves. And uh, um, anyways, uh, uh, Carlos, I might have told you this story once upon a time. I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, that there was a, a, a colleague at work who had a, a service dog in training. Right. And he was in my office and we were talking about something work-related that was very emotionally charged for him. He was upset about something going on. And he was just kind of confiding in me as a work buddy. Right. And I noticed his dog came over and started chewing on his hand. And we both kind of recognized that, all right, oh, the dog is trying to like de-escalate the situation, distract daddy from, from what's yeah. upsetting. Because the dog clearly knew that dad is not happy. Yeah. And then like, you know, several days later, a week or so later, um, uh, we're in the office and he asked me a question about, you know, something historically in my life. And I started telling him the story and it was a story that is emotionally charged for me, right. but I wasn't thinking at that moment about my own emotion. And the dog came over and started chewing on my hand the same way that the dog chewed on his hand. Wow. And when I looked at the dog, the dog's name was Nike. And I looked Brilliant. down at I looked down at Nike and I thought, oh, he's doing the same thing he did to, to his dad when he was upset. And I realized, oh my God, the dog felt that I was having those emotions before I even recognized it. Brilliant. And then I realized it was there and I'm like, holy smokes. Wow. How did that dog do that? 
Unreal. <laughs> you know, and so I'm like, but I needed a dog, you know. So <laughs> everybody should need a dog at some. Everybody point. should. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're useful. They're expensive, but they're useful. Yeah, agree. <laughs> the uh, smart dog. The concept of going meta, you know, to a situation, you know, like yeah. like zooming out and and witnessing yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, some of us do that more than others. Some of us do it probably too much. <laughs> some of us <laughs> never do it and should do it more often. Um, there's always a balance in, and obviously yeah. context is uh, what determines when it's useful and when it isn't. But I've noticed that um, there are times when, you know, after learning about a lot of this body language stuff that I will be engaged with someone in a conversation and I will slip out mentally into kind of a meta position right and and then i become hyper aware of every gesture and every you know facial expression and and it's fucking distracting <laughs> <laughs> you know and i have to kind of pause for a moment because i'll feel this sort of kind of a sweat coming on like i'm getting this <laughs> discomfort this nervousness that kind of arises and then i have to take a breath and kind of reorient myself back into just getting involved in the communication yeah. because there's a kind of a fine line between um, well, when you're being intentional about something versus totally artificial about it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, as a professional presenter, as you and I are actually, all of us are here. Uh, we have learned that there are certain um tonalities and yeah. rhythms and postures and things that will um, bring the awareness of, of who's listening in certain ways into certain directions. And that's useful. It's helpful. That's being a good presenter, a good teacher, a um, good coach or whatever it is, performer even. Um, but I, I do find that sometimes I have to kind of rein it in a little bit because my mind will get, uh, I'll lose track if I don't. Yeah. You know, and there's a point where you have to kind of let go and let the unconscious uh, training kick in and just sort of surrender to, well, what we call flow, right? High performance state, yeah. right? Yeah. Where, you, where your, your ego is not really involved. You kind of just kind of let go into the experience. How does that play in? Have you ever noticed that you've gone meta just even a conversation with your sweetheart at home? Yeah, many times, many times. Like um, uh, I, with, with my training, I, I tend to base it around uh, Bruce Lee. Uh, and his, oh, his yeah. philosophy, his philosophy on combat, yep. um, and the like. But there's there's a lot of times where when if I am uh, like if I've had a, a a physically or mentally taxing moment, but you get that kind of <sighs> yeah. kind of reaction to whatever it is that you've just done. If I'm ever in a <sighs> moment, but you've still engaged me on something, you you could have set me on fire and i probably wouldn't even notice uh, <laughs> at, at, at the time because i'm 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 all in here uh, you know what my body's doing what your body's doing not the words that you're saying or or anything else but it, that's that's my own kind of particular uh uh dead zone uh, if you will um when i i kind of i'm i'm all up here i'm i'm with you on that one and uh, i'm i'm looking at you know the the way uh her her eyebrows move and where she's breathing from, which nostril flexes more because one's pierced and the other isn't, and <laughs> and then that that little voice in my head is going, "What are you doing? None of that is relevant. Listen to what she's saying because she will destroy you if you don't." <laughs> and then 
<laughs> um, that that will that will bring me back in those moments uh, right uh, now. Um, but yeah, like it, it, from a from a philosophical level, I I uh, I, I read a lot of uh, of, of stoicism. Uh, I, I read a lot of uh, Epictetus and uh, <laughs> Aristotle, Aurelius, um, and the like. Right. And um, there's there's uh, there's one of the stories. Um, uh, I think it was even used in a film, but I, f- I forget which film. Uh, oh no, it was in uh, it was in *Law Abiding Citizen*, uh, mm-hmm. and that, that Marcus Aurelius would have somebody behind him as he's going through the crowds, just to whisper in his ear, "You're only a man. You're only a man." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for when I'm in these moments, when I'm trying to do more than what uh, I'm told I'm capable of, that's the type of stuff that keeps me in the zone and keeps me focused. Um, in these moments that I've I've taken the time to sort of take care of myself so that I can do it for others and and those around me um so yeah th- those are the uh, those are the di- I know that's technically not what you asked <laughs> but those are the differences that I've I've found between the two stoicism very much keeps me grounded and present uh but when when my physicality takes over I'm I'm done. Like uh, I'm yeah. I'm spent uh, at, at that time. There's there's no. That's not a time for me to be training. That's a time for me to be reading something I enjoy, watching something I enjoy, doing something I enjoy, something along those lines. Because I'm not. Re- I'm passive to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to comment here because you mentioned stoicism, which is um, a, a wonderful, wonderful path. Um, a friend of mine pointed out, and I, I really loved how he put it. He, he said, that should be basic training for every young man. I mean, and I would just put the caveat that basic training for every Western trained young man, because there are other pathways in other countries and yeah. of origin and Buddhism, for example, is a wonderful path. Um, and I, you know, Satch and I are both, um, uh, you know, adherents and students of the Dhamma, right? We, we study um, that path, uh, and it has affected us a lot. And there's a lot in common with stoicism, but stoicism is just so rich. And I didn't really gain any real genuine appreciation for it until maybe the the last five, six years, I started to go, Mm -hmm. now I'm going to dive a little bit more into this. And I started reading more like, uh, Marcus Aurelius meditations and and just various articles. And I found it more and more that, man, this stuff if, if I had started with this idea, I think I would have avoided quite a lot of the problematic thinking patterns that I had developed in my adulthood. I mean, I was obviously doing the best I could with what I had, but you know what? this would have been a wonderful guide along the way. 100%. Powerful stuff. 100%. And uh, the, uh, the book that I found to, to hit it on the head from kind of a, a modern day perspective was, was Darren Brown's Happiness. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've read it. No, it's, it, I read it's based. Book. It's based on on that work. It, I think it's called Happiness: How More or Less Everything Is Okay, um, <laughs> and it's it's really rooted and and grounded in that kind of emotional struggle that most Western young men um, tend to go through. And like the the greatest kind of aha moment that I got I got for myself in terms of it working for me. Um, was as as a as a tall young man going out in the town, you're targeted by uh, anyone who's looking for a fight. Yeah. Um, and so my my friends are over in the corner. And, oh, this guy's just said this about you. He's just called you this. 
Okay. Well, what are you going to do? What? Nothing. Why? <laughs> I, I couldn't really understand that. But he, like, he's just called you a dickhead. At, okay. I'm not. So why should that matter? <laughs> and that was the kind of greatest sort of, okay, I've, I'm, I've definitely got some kind of control over how I choose to spend my emotional credit. Right. Who I choose to spend it with. And I think that's, that's definitely a teachings that, uh, that everybody could find some value in if you hadn't undertaken it to a certain degree, certain degree, or at least been born with, you know, an unnatural kind of control over your emotions that way um, mm. as well. Yeah. Well, uniquely beneficial. It, it, that principle of, of uh, seeking to understand and like, like look when, a, when a person criticizes you to look within yourself rather than to look to defend yourself from, you know, say, yeah. How is this true and how is this an opportunity to look deeply within myself for some error, whether or not you are actually detecting the error or not? It is an opportunity and it steals the fight right out of the circumstance. And, and I, I've seen um, well, when I teach kids about bullying, um, mm -hmm. one principle I teach them is what if you helped them? So what if you you know, like our, uh, Satch and I study martial arts and our teacher would say, you know, uh, they knock on the door, you answer. Sometimes they knock on the door and you answer a little too much and they fall through the door, that kind of idea. And so it, if someone insults you and you help them to insult you, it gets to the point of ridiculousness after a while and it completely steals their thunder. Anyway. hundred percent, hundred percent. The, uh, the, the first time I ever taught um, a, a group of doormen, because uh, I, I too have, have grown up around martial arts as well. Uh, yeah. And the, the first time I, I was lucky enough to teach a group of doormen, I did, I did so using uh, Roadhouse uh, as sort wow. of my, uh, my, my vehicle for study. And there, there was this, what, that, that one particular scene where Patrick Swayze is meeting the new team. Uh, I, I don't care if he does this, be nice. I don't care if he does this, be nice. I don't care if he does this, be nice. And then one of them blows out, well, what if he calls your mother a whore? And Patrick Swayze comes back and just goes, is she? <laughs> you know, and that, that's, that's, that's one of those moments, which is, which is the same thing. You're just taking that fight out of, out of the whole situation together completely, because if you don't have a leg to stand on from a, from a, a, a violent indicator, that's, that's how they're built. You know, yeah. you talk about temperatures rising <laughs> when, when they go the other way, everything's cool uh, and the like, and languages, language follows suit. Uh, yeah, completely. I could, I could swim in a world of stoicism all day. Absolutely. Hmm. <laughs> You're an idiot. Oh, you have no idea how idiotic I can be sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they'll go. <clears throat> you say about this one time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, as so long as you know you are, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think people in call centers would probably benefit from. Uh, um, a, a study around this material, given the verbal abuse they tend to get at times. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I almost uh, uh, wanted to take out a, a hit on on my call center person that I was calling last night over my television that 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 started blipping out on me. I kept getting asked the most ridiculous things, and I would I would answer the person, and then of course they would ignore this long answer I just gave them and ask me as if I hadn't answered it already. So what was, the next question on the list is. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
it's always at the worst time, you know, it's always when, when technology is on the blink, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. You, you find that those, I, I don't know if that's a, you know, a clouding of emotional reasoning that, that when one thing, one thing goes wrong, everything else seems to go wrong. You hit yep. every red light on the drive in and it's all a matter mm-hmm. of perception and where your focus is going. And they're like, yeah, it's Damn uh, that it's, Murphy. <laughs> blasted laws. <laughs> yeah, he breathed it into life, you know. Absolutely. Asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, so I was thinking about two things here. One, that there are a lot of topics in which the person who gains the skill appears to be making these quantum leaps of under, you know, perception. They appear to be doing something supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems impossible to the, um, let's say, uh, rational person who doesn't have the experiential knowledge. And there's a lot of this skepticism that arises. We kind of touched upon this a little earlier, but you see this in, in, in examples of excellence. I mean, you're obviously an example. You're an exemplar of um, behaviorism and, and behavioral profiling and perception and deduction and things like that. But there are also magicians who, who maybe do things like this, right? Mentalists who, mm-hmm. who arrange scenarios in such a way that they appear to be like this. Mm-hmm. And there are people who do, for, for example, like partly that, and then they deviate from that and do it the other way. So where have you fallen in that category? Have you, have you experimented with the sort of mentalism routines and gone into this, or did you skip on onto the development of the skill itself? How's that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it tends to be a bit of both. Like I will try and rely on my genuine ability to do it as much as possible. Comfortable in the fact that should I start to struggle, there are a million and different ways that I can get out of it and still provide the performance spectacle piece that I've been paid there to pay to, you know, to, to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, in terms of that, it depends on where I'm going really. Like um, if I'm ever invited to, uh, you know, some sort of nightclub affair or some place that's, that's where booze is very much focused on, then in getting people to think regardless of my skills for uh, for too long is is a challenge so i tend to keep it to the uh the more mechanical pieces um uh, at the time but when i when i have room to really flex my uh my gray matter i shall i shall absolutely do so like um without getting into the mechanics of how they work you take a you take like a simple drawing duplication and uh you you ask somebody to um, they think of a drawing and you draw anything you want so long as it's easily recognizable, bang, fair enough, and they do it. But imagine being able to tell them, uh, draw something that is a big part of your day. Draw the way you feel about your job. <laughs> you know, some, something along those lines that once I have that, the drawing itself then gives me like, like a virtual deductive hot read um, in in that kind of scenario, I've got eons of information to deal with in terms of what they do on a day to day basis. And like, if I can see that they don't particularly like their job, um, 
from from the drawing if i ask them what they do for a living and they tell me i know there'll be a certain level of reflexive characteristics in terms of positive or negative that will tell me everything else about somebody else in terms of how they're reading it like um uh, the 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 cleanest example i can give you is from a, a guy that i met doing um one of these online things i, d I don't really like doing the online shows because it feels a bit tacky but that's rather here nor there um we, we were doing an online show and i'd i'd figured out what he'd drawn and it was about his job and so i just asked him do you like your job and he said no and he he worked in like a, a cubicle center for selling insurance there's him and like thousands of other people there so i'm thinking in my head in terms of all right so what does that represent that's that's enclosure that's uh that's being boxed in on a on a thinking level you know he wants room to breathe room to grow room to go and do things room to explore so i started talking about his hobbies and his interests and immediately goes all right like this so uh, there you go there's a, a non-verbal version of a guy going right let's dance <laughs> sort of thing mm -hmm. um so i that's the jonam question again all over again these non-verbals have told me that this is going to be obscure something i don't think that's particularly uh, attached to him so i went you, you uh are, are you're an artist of sorts and you uh you you're dabbling with changing perspectives at the moment i absolutely finished him because the the guy was like a, a weightlifter um at the time uh -huh. But I could I could tell from his displays that he wasn't traditional kind of uh, Neolithic knuckle dragger kind of weightlifter. <laughs> he was, uh, which a, a lot of them are. <laughs> I, I think even they would be okay with me saying it. A lot of them are. Um, he he wasn't all about that. So it was the, the, this kind of visual exterior that he doesn't really get a chance to nurture that side of him. And what's going to be more counterintuitive to that lack of nurturing than being stuck in a box all day? Yeah. Um, so I, I was thinking around artistic sides and that's 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 the way that that kind of deductive line works for me now um so it, it, it it's it's like a it's like a metronome thing sometimes it's over here sometimes it's over here mm. but like the, the good thing about it is the way i've i've kind of developed my own routines is they are free enough that they can be that they are free enough that they can be that. I can just take out all of the extra kind of observational stuff, and at the end, I've got a, I've got a, 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 a five-minute pretty cool trick that I can show uh, anyone. Yeah, it, it, it comes back to my adage on performance. Like I'm a big believer in this type of thing being uh, down to artistic license. There's there was kind of a a, a big discussion on whether it's art or or some so this something else i fall into the art category in terms of my beliefs um so in when i used to lecture my material i would encourage people to like what are you are you a mentalist or are you just a likable guy that knows where to shop <laughs> and like that, that's that's the distinction that i would encourage people to draw but don't be wrong neither way is wrong neither way is right but when when you figure out what it is that you are then your material, your your performance changes uh, around that. And I wasn't the the likable guy that knows where to shop and just buying a trick and going out and doing it, regardless of how good the trick is. I wanted to investigate it. I wanted to explore it and see what other things I could do with it. Like when when is a witch hand routine not a witch hand routine? When is a when is a when is a, something with cards not about it coming back to the top again in uh, a thousand times mm -hmm. uh, in many unique and weird and wonderful ways that's that's the type of thing that i find really encouraging 
uh, in, in terms of my performance. Uh, most of the times I'll tend to decide on the day. So um, I'll, I'll take a few things with me. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'd love to mess around with cards because uh, ev as soon as you get it, I'm looking around for some now, as soon as you get some out, people immediately go, oh, I know what he's going to do. And, yeah. they're still in the, and they're still in the box. Like you've right. not done anything yet at this stage. Right. Mm. But that's the kind of thinking that you're dealing with. So like when people start to get grabby and what if I shuffle them, do what you want. <laughs> well, it doesn't really matter to me. And so to, to, ex to have that kind of um, character uh, about what it is that I, that I do stops challenges. Everyone's on my side. There's no kind of... Uh, spectator magician kind of divide everyone's on the same team having a great laugh and that's that's what i want from my kind of performances yeah it's not for everybody but uh you know if 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 everybody uh, did everything in the same way then it'd be boring <laughs> right um so so yeah very much it it tends to chop and change uh, see, see how I'm feeling that day. See how I'm feeling the crowd that day. <laughs> That's great. And if I if I had a, a security team for some you know multi million dollar company, and I, I needed to figure out um, you know what was happening, uh, there's some crime that happened, and I had you on my team. I would love the fact that you were also a magician. That you also had you know, training and deception and all these kinds of things, in addition to the behavioral profiling and all the other things and the deduction, because, you know, the game theory involved in magic and mentalism is it's genius. It's pure. It's just such brilliance. I mean, I, I can, uh, it tickles my brain even to, 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 to think about it. Um, it's a lot of that stuff I, I've been studying and, and have not gained any real skill at <laughs> Because I've just been um, uh, more of a hobbyist, just kind of looking into it for years and years and years. So I know about those things that I cannot do. But when I think about how much in, uh, ingenuity is involved in the layering and, and uh, how many steps ahead the person is in order to create the illusion, um, it's just mind-blowing. And I would want someone with that kind of, uh, we'll call it comfortability, if that's a word, mm -hmm. At, at those those methods and, and that kind of thinking, in addition to the real world practical stuff that has to do with, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. Absolutely. You know, those two things together make an ideal combination. I, I, absolutely, uh, and you know, uh, there was there was an article uh, gone around recently on the uh, the thinking of a magician being used in uh, in politics and the like. Yes, I think I, th I yes. think it was a BBC article. I actually, uh, posted that article on LinkedIn. Hmm. That's prob that's probably where I saw it then, um, but yeah, I, I I think the the reason largely that magicians are seen to be so clever and so amazing and the like it's it's not that they're any smarter than anybody else, it's just that they think about the same problem in a very different way, and I I, I think that's such a, a valuable resource uh, to have in, in any kind of, uh, problem solving method, because there's, there's years and years of, of conventional thinking brought to the table uh, in terms of how to do this or how to accomplish X and so on and so forth until the magician comes along and says, why don't we try this way? Uh, brilliant. How, like how, how can you can convince somebody that a card can pass through lots of other cards to come back to the top? 
and everybody else will be like, what the, what, I, I, well, the magician comes up and goes, well, you never really put it back in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the whole thinking falls away. I, I, I think it's brilliant in terms of when I've ever sat down to a, like a puzzle book or a riddle book or, you know, a different kind of Rubik's cube uh, and the like, because those are the, those are the things that I love. Um, in order for me to like be able to complete them, I, I would, I've never done the study on it. I've not crunched the numbers, but I would bet that it's my, um, that it's my years of experience in, in magic and mentalism that helps me to solve them quicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and more directly for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like there's just, it's just, different styles of thinking strategies that once you learn something, you go, Oh, wait a minute. I could probably apply that to this and this and this and this, and there's all these different things in, in, in life, you know, um, uh, you know, Ben, you, I'm an occupational therapist. Okay. So one of the things that we do is, um, we help people that are disabled be able to do things again. Right. Right. And, and w- when you get used to um, helping people solve problems around what they can't do and how to do it, you start to realize, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, um, is that the, the human mind is, is, is complex for most, most animals, right? So we're always looking for a more complex solution to something. Mm-hmm. And naturally, there are complexities that go far beyond what the human mind can handle, right? But, but we also have the opposite problem where sometimes the answer is simpler than we are willing to think through. And it's like, yeah, I can't solve this because it's not complicated enough. <laughs> and if, and so we, we skip right over the problem. Like for example, here's a really good one, right? This is, this is occupational therapy thinking, right? Is somebody's got back pain or weakness or whatever. How are they going to solve this problem of getting all the spoons and forks from the dishwasher into the drawer? Well, nobody thinks just pick up the little spoon rack and set it up on the counter by the drawer and then just put it in while you're standing there. Like, again, boom, there it is. You're like, that's (laughs) so easy. You know, you go, wait a minute. What else is easy? You know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's just funny how that is. You go, oh, my God, I've been making it hard for years, you know. Absolutely. So the the amount of times you hear. I can't just be that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but it is. Why can't it just be that? Why can't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Like when when I when I tell people um about everything that like I, I read and I'll phrase it specifically so it sounds longer than what it is. Like if if I'm talking about a book like I'll say yeah I read this and I'm just citing particular chapters like so rather than just saying one book I'm specifically phrasing it so it's longer. God, how do you do all that? I've just got a good memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how? No, that's it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> it. That's 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 all you really and like people sort of expect this kind of well it can't just be that reaction. It can't be why why can't it be because your emotions are telling you otherwise yeah absolutely love love that i'd love that it's being brought that particular way of thinking to to everyone i i as, you know <laughs> as far as far reaching as it can go because it's it's going to provide such a such a benefit that to 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 separate those dark clouds of 
sort of not necessarily negative thinking, but like, um, well, I suppose it is, but like more short-sightedness in terms of what your what your capabilities are, regardless of, you know, the, the kind of difficulties that you've had to go through to engineer that kind of thinking in the first place. Mm. Uh, but just to, just to help them see through that is is uh is is amazing yeah amazing that reminds me of an article i read it was written by a veterinarian about why is it like let's finally get to the bottom why do dogs eat grass <laughs> and there's all these theories well they eat it because their stomach is upset or they eat it because it helps them vomit right and they said well all the studies are indicating that that's not true because dogs eat grass all the time when they're not sick when they're sick and so after this big old long article you get to the end and and, and then you know the veterinarian says you know and there's another possibility is maybe they just like it <laughs> that yeah that's true they just like it maybe that's like it's not that complicated you know they like <laughs> exactly. grass you know, <laughs> some people like beer, you know, like, because we like it. You know? I was just going to say that, Satch, like the aliens. Beer. Why do they drink so much tequila that they vomit? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's I fun. Like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, Brilliant. <laughs> um, well, and speaking of, of, you know, sharing things with, you know, with everyone, um, I saw that you have a YouTube video on, uh, the memory castle method. Yes. yes. Now I haven't yeah. watched it, but am I correct in assuming that it's it's a? Are you teaching the method on your YouTube channel there? How to do it? Or well, are you describing a, that's that's a um that's a podcast episode talking about the course that that I'm that I'm running um, <sighs> on how to do it. Okay. Um, Is that so an evergreen the, course? Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, it's. It, Meaning it's, that it's recorded and people can. Uh, I see. I see. Uh, in 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 which case it will be if you're a, a part of the group um, that 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 you join. Um, but it, but in terms of uh, like it going out on mass, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not something that we're going to be doing until it's sort of it's put into book form. Um, but the 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 general reason for it is that nine times out of 10, when somebody comes across my work for the first time, this is, this is one of the three questions that they always ask me about is the, uh, is the, is the memory castle, the memory, memory palace, the mind palace, the mind attic, whatever mm. you want to call it. Mm. Um, and, and whether it can actually be done, how it's done, uh, this type of thing. And so I thought I would, I would create something of, potential permanence for those that are interested in it to to be able to develop it for yourself now don't don't get me wrong it's it's one of those things that uh, is is knacky you know sort of fiddly to be able to do uh, and you, you very much have to commit to its creation but uh, in terms of the benefit that it has for you I, I'm trying to sound as unbiased as I possibly can when I say that it's 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 perception altering, it's it's life altering in terms of the information you think you're capable of dealing with. You, you know, what if everything just became easier for you on an informational level? Yeah, you know, and the uh, the memory palace can can definitely do that for you. You know, when you look at the sort of surface level details. When you're looking at uh, of names or restaurants that people like to go to, things you did or said last time you were there, 
the 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 present that somebody points out that they would like for a, a birthday gift randomly as you're walking by a shop and uh, you know the the kids the the names of the kids that this new business partner you've got or you know when their birthday is when your next meeting is all of this kind of surface level detail if you could take that up instantly and and have it be something that you could call on whenever you needed it um is is it should be it should be worth it for the five sessions that you commit to it alone but then you think of everything else that you can lay on top in terms of if you take the time to uh commit uh historical data um you know if you want to go and i always because it's very popular where i'm from if you ever want to go and nail a pub quiz uh if you i i went through three trivia books in uh, in one day and just stuck the facts in there and they, they still haven't gone to this day because I've, I've stored them properly. Uh, it, it's a way to really expand what you're capable of remembering in one sitting. Um, and there are, there are a ton of, of techniques that can do that for you. And, you know, if, if you are wanting to memorize a lot of a single stream of information, then the techniques will do it for you. They will. Uh, and you can get them from, any good book that you can pick up you you absolutely can but when it comes to the work on a memory palace um there is the kind of guided thought that it doesn't really uh, bode like a a kind of how much time you would need to put in versus what you get out of it um so i i spent i spent just over three years on mine and i've got it down to teachable within five days and like um I, i i taught my son the periodic table in half an hour like four years ago awesome. uh, and, and and he can still remember it to this day and there's there's loads of my students that have that have got this uh in, working for them on the day-to-day basis my uh my oldest student not in terms of age but in terms of how long he's been with me i refer to him as the constructionist because he's, uh, <laughs> be, because he's he's a builder he works on building sites and the like and so when it comes to the the list of uh, suppliers that he has to deal with the orders that he has to deal with the people that he has to deal with who's getting what from where and how much and who needs what invoice be able to deal with that immediately without constantly going through whatever kind of notebook or or phones that you've got to have it there readily on tap is is something that he still talks about every time that i meet him uh, you know, it's you, you like, I think I said it in, uh, oh no, the, the trailer's not gone out, but I'm going to say it in a trailer that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's, uh, that's coming out. Your life doesn't have to end when your battery life does, you know, because you, mm. you're, you're still capable of dealing with all of the information that life would throw at you. And if it is that you are skewered towards the way of, of people reading and this kind of non-verbal uh, uh, you know, information and decoding and the like, having more room inside of your head to store that information for better use is, is only going to make your job easier. If, if I have to recall the details on, on uh, blink rates, leg crosses, blocking, cultural dynamics, speech patterns, when you said it, how you said it, what you did when you moved, temperature in the room, what it's changed, are you hungry? And like All of this can go on within a couple of minutes of, of conversation. To have to deal with all of that, I'm going to need somewhere to store all of that kind of information so I can come back to it if I need to have that kind of self-reflective moment afterwards and revisit the read, uh, as it were, 
so I, I don't get too caught up. The Memory Palace is a gift that keeps on giving. And again, I'm trying not to sound as as biased uh, in my opinion of that, because obviously I'm going to be to, to some degree. I yeah, spent three like, years on it. It sounds like you really hate this technique. I, <laughs> yeah. I feel the seething wrath that you feel towards it and <laughs> of no use whatsoever to, to anyone. Um, That's, un- underneath the camera, I'm just slowly shredding up memory books. It's all like, <laughs> slowly shredding up. <laughs> well, this is an ancient technique, isn't it? I mean, it goes back it to the ancient Greeks, right? It does. It does. Uh, starts with, uh, I think, his early recording as, uh, as uh, Simonides. Uh, and the like, and that infamous story of him walking around his temple after it collapsed um, and naming where uh, everybody had unfortunately died underneath the rubble so their families could at least uh, grieve at the uh, at the proper mound of rubble. Um, and the, 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 the technique was born from there. I know it's in a lot of uh, Egyptian texts as well, but I can't actually pronounce them names, so I'm not, I'm not going to try. There was... Um, I think it was uh, an Italian book, a Rhetorica ad Herenium or, or something uh, along these lines mm-hmm. that uh, uh, sort of brought along the memory palace technique in the growth of Galileo and his scientific expeditions that he made um, around this moment. So, yeah, the, the technique's been around uh, around for years and years. There's this grander thinking that... sorry. Every time I every time I work, my, my puppy's here. She wants to come mm-hmm. and get involved. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, I see that tail wagging. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Next. Come say hi. Oh, she's here. There she is. That's that's Lexi. Oh. Yeah. Sweetheart. Okay, that's that's your fifteen seconds, baby. You go down. Now she's famous. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, but the the guiding thought with memory palaces uh, initially that they were just uh, small little non-connected rooms or journeys that you could go on uh, and store specific information on for whenever you need it. What I've done, and uh, I, I don't say that arrogantly, I say that out of ignorance because I, I I don't know if anybody else has done it, and I've tried to find out if it does exist. Happy days, but um, what I've done is I've made the technique connectable to any kind of estate housing state estate my my memory palace is my uh, old college and high school connected mm-hmm. together um and then it's instead of it being the journey that you would walk on it's uh, it's objects within the room so like um in my history room if i need data on any specific kind of person there's a there's a run of busts with each of the information on the shelves and uh if i ever want anything from art or music i don't have to go on these little journeys to get there i can just be in the room like if i want something from my living room of this house i can go to the living room and get the information that I need. If I want something from my bedroom, I don't have to think, okay, I've got to go out of the living room, turn right up the stairs, go up 13 steps. Take. I don't have to think uh, any of that. I can just go up to my bedroom and get the information that I need. And so I've, I've applied that kind of method to the creation of a memory palace. So it's, it's, it's it's cut away at the clay uh, you know to use bruce lee uh, a sculptor doesn't add clay to the mold he he chips away until the truth is revealed mm-hmm. and and that's that's what i tried to do with the memory palace stuff i've kind of chipped away at everything that isn't as necessary in order to make sure that your retention is still just as permanent but your uh, your capability to deal with it on on a more 
uh, on a more speedier level would be uh, would be improved, which is is certainly more beneficial towards what I do because if you look at uh, memory competitions, for example, where they deal with eons of of data, it's in a it's in a focused environment where they'll get sound cancelling headphones. Some of them even wear blinkers. And the like, and you're just dealing with decks of cards or numbers or words or names and faces and the like. The way this technique differs from the ones that they use is that this is more predisposed towards life because I would have to memorize the details of people, of cars, of license plates as they drove past, you know, and have all of the sound of life and everything else going on around me. I still have to maintain engagement and have a conversation. Uh, so I, I need a technique that would be able to consume all of this data, store it permanently for use uh, at, at a later date without it hindering anything that I'm doing um, on a day-to-day basis. And so that's that's really where the, the creation uh, of the technique comes from. Well, here's a question for you about that. Um, first, have you read Alistair Crowley's Lieber 777? I haven't. I have okay. heard of it, but I haven't okay. read it. So you know what it is, right? It's it. And for those who don't, it's a, it's a book that's all association, uh, numerical associations in relation to the mystical Kabbalah. So gematria um, is the attributions of, of uh, letters and numbers to concepts and ideas. And it's based on the idea that everything could fit in the schema of the tree of life. And so for those who know, it's like this kind of image, just kind of a geometrical image that looks roughly tree-like or body-like. And um, each of the positions has uh, a different meaning and, and, and represents different sort of forces in the universe or whatever. But it said that everything can fit into the schema of the tree of life. If one already had those associations. Like in my case, I've, I've attributed the tarot cards to mm. each of the positions of the tree and things like that. Is that enough of a schema, I guess, to use as a pattern for this uh, memory palace? Or would you recommend coming up with something totally different than that? Uh, in terms of the housing units, if you've got enough um, separate kind of uh, compartments of of whatever your particular schema is then that's that's absolutely fine because you with memory work you never want to be in the position of thinking what did ben say it was you want to focus on your own idiosyncrasies uh, in terms of how you bring those to the table like m- mine mine comes in in terms of um, numbers um, and the like. There, there's there's several kind of phonetic alphabets and PAO systems that you go through to turn numbers into images, and the like. But when it comes to things like um, 31, uh, which you know, there's all of this other stream of information would tell you it's this 31 for me will always be the Griffin residence from Family Guy because they live at 31 Spooner Street. And when when I come to seeing 742, that'll always be the Simpsons because they live at 742 Evergreen Terrace. Um, and the like. And even if that's not the address, it is for me in my head. I hear 742, I think of the Simpsons. So I, I, I don't I don't tend to question it. And there's there's hundreds of hundreds of examples like that. But in terms of what you're bringing to the table on an association level, 
it's it's more about understanding how you use those associations with the information that you get from a day-to-day basis it's the storage that's that's important of that and there was uh there was an American uh, memory champion that uh, described it uh, for me really, really quite eloquently. Is was if you were to get a, a finite piece of information like a deck of cards, and you were to just throw them up in the air, you would you would be able to find exactly what you needed after a while. Of course, you would. Uh, or, or it w- would take a bit longer than necessary, or you know there'd be studies, they'd be looking over information that you don't necessarily need at that time. But if you take the if you take the time to store it correctly, and make sure that it's in an order, you know, or stack uh, a stack that you know, and spread out face up on the ground. As soon as somebody says three of clubs, you can go, oh, information's there. That's that's what I need. So it's if you've got the associations, bringing those to the table, absolutely, that's. That's 100% cool. It's storage of those details that's the important thing that you would need to take away from it in, in terms of going, I've, I've seen this. I need to save this for later. Where do I put this on, on my tree? How do I store it? What information do I use to store it? What mm. information do I attach? How do I attach it to the initial association that I'd made so that when I need it, I can retrieve it properly? That's, that's the, the, the type of detail. That, that you would look to go for from your preset associations that you've already got because that capitalizes on how you think already which which when it comes to memory work is 150% the best situation to be in because like if you think um in in terms of uh, like on uh, purely what our brains do, do as 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 an active connection uh, i hear a song i might think of um, a, a random memory from my childhood. You might hear the same song and be completely unaffected by it if you've if you've not heard it before, or think of what the words say or how that means something to you, and then it might take you off on another kind of journey from that same sort of initial uh, stimuli. Mm. So the, the the storage of that information becomes the important thing in that regard. The association, so long as it means something to you. And you know, like irrefutably, what that information means. Uh, sorry, what that association means. Then, um, then you, you you're good to go from there. You've you've done a, you've done a lot of the legwork already. Great, so, I'm inspired. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> yeah. sounds sounds like you're using a lot of procedural memory. You know, like 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 the next thing to remember reveals itself. Yeah. When the time comes up, like you don't, you don't have to memorize a list of these are all the things I need to do in order to get my car started. Well, what's the first thing on the list? Oh, uh, unlock the door. And then what do I do? Oh, oh, pull the handle. You know what I mean? You just, the next thing tells you what the next thing is, which tells you what the next thing is, you know, kind, kind of a, you know, spatial and. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's a number of different factions, uh, factors rather that go at factions is an entirely different thing. Uh, (laughs) Factors that, that (laughs) different set of memories. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a lot of PTSD that I'm still trying to bury. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different factors that go into that and it comes back to your storage again. Like um, if you, if you have a favorite film, for example, uh, and somebody goes, oh, yeah, do you remember this part? 
you go, yep, I remember it instantly, and then go forward in terms of a, a narrative journey from there. You don't have to start at the opening credits and then go, yes, the enjoyment, it's there, and then and then keep going because you've taken the time to store that recollection of the film and what it meant to you and these particular plot points and how that affected you the more areas of our brain we can engage in our memories and how we store anything, the more retentive we're going to be. So there, there, there is, there is at the beginning, uh, very much a, a procedural storage unit for, for how you do it. But after a while, once, once you've been, uh, memorizing, uh, in this way, like I, I won't see numbers anymore. I'll see people, I won't see uh, names in my head anymore. I'll see ridiculous attachments that I can shove into their face, uh, which sounds a lot more evil than what it is because it's it's all going on up here. If I'm dealing with um, you know any kind of uh, Sherlockian relevances or any uh, any information to do with uh, body language and people reading, I'm in my science room, literally cutting mannequins up just to have a look to see what's <laughs> going on inside. Um, and the like, and that's what, that's where I find my information there. And it's, it's, it's great if you ever tell anybody the stories of the connections that you're making, because they would probably have you committed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, like they sincerely would the, the amount of times I've been memorizing cards for a competition and just had to, had to chuckle to myself because Hitler's molesting Chuck Norris. And then they, they've gone on to do this. And, <laughs> And I, oh. I, I'll qualify that with uh, Hitler is my my ace of hearts, and Chuck oh. uh, <laughs> and Chuck Norris is my nine of clubs. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the amount of times they've uh, they've sort of fallen. And there's there's many weird and wonderful wacky stories that come along with it. So it changes your attitude towards learning and towards yeah. growth. It becomes less of a chore and more of an enjoyable journey that way, because you get to think of some quite frankly, ridiculous things, mm. uh, but equally be gifted with all of the information that you need on top of that. Um, like, uh, I was, I was in a, in a very, um, I was in a very important meeting quite recently and, uh, a, a quick little rundown of how you memorize names. Uh, one of the ways of how you memorize names is you take a standout feature of a person's face and you attach uh, some kind of image of what the name represents and sh like shove it into their face or onto their face. So like um, if you were doing my name, you, uh, Big Ben, you might think of Big Ben, the clock in, uh, in London and the like, or uh, any other kind of famous Ben's uncle Ben from the food, something like that. And it might be that in this scenario, my beard stands out or my glasses or my tattoos. And you'd, you'd attach the two images together so that when you saw me again, you'd see the beard and wonder why uncle Ben, the guy from the curry. Oh, okay, Ben, that's Ben. Uh, and I was talking to this guy, and he had quite a big nose. Um, you know, he, even he was okay with that. He'd made several jokes about it at this stage. He had quite a big nose. Um, but his name was Richard. And uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll be ahead of me already at yes, this stage. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the entire meeting, I'm having to speak to him like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop seeing this this thing just flopping from his mouth. <laughs> wow. And to this day, I would bet if I would I will never forget his name ever. Because yeah. that'll be the first thing that I'll see when I look at I his will face. never forget his name. Either will I. Yeah. <laughs> 
This much this must make uh, dream interpretation really interesting for you <laughs> in your own dreams, you know. Yeah. Oh my oh god, my goodness, absolutely! Man. the The amount of times that uh, I like because it's it's a conversation me and Maddie we we like to have because we equally we equally think of some really weird stuff, just weird stuff, and uh, like but the most recent one that I can remember is. Um, you know, uh, air hockey and the like. So the, yeah. the the pucks on the table. Yeah. So there was that kind of setup, but it was um, it was pool, billiards, and the like. So there's a ton of spots and a ton of stripes, but they're all air hockey pucks. And I'm playing billiards with these air hockey tables, but I'm playing with the cartoon Hercules um, <laughs> and the like. And like, I'm I'm the more and more I explain this scenario to Maddie, the more I can see her thinking. How quickly can I get a divorce? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, and then, then I, I like, I had to explain. This was how I was storing the image for uh, the uh, the images for the twelve labors of Hercules, and the like, and uh, how all these particular pucks had detail on. Like, I couldn't attach images rationally in my head to round balls. I had to make them flat, so I had to give them a purpose. And she kind of, you, you saw, you, you know, when you hear something confusing, you tend to do this. What? You do the dog tilt. Yeah. Arr, arr, yeah. Arr. You could see it kind of reorientate back to reality as I was oh, <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> I get it now. Like, I, but it was a, yeah. it was a fun story to tell. Yeah. Maddie's got no excuse. She thinks of some equally strange stuff, but she's got no excuse because she's just not involved in this kind of memory work <laughs> at all. Yeah. She's just nuts. <laughs> How did you meet your sweetheart? Um <laughs> through Tinder. Uh, unapologetically but that that's kind of how, how i know firsthand that this kind of dating profile reading works mm -hmm. uh you know because at that at that stage you know being uh being divorced and having like a, a treasure trove of terrible relationships behind me i kind of become quite jaded at the whole nature of of being in 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 relationships i was quite happy just me and the dogs sat at home doing doing what we do like i didn't I didn't, I, I didn't need to acquire that kind of companionship. I was, I was there. I, I, uh, I was, I was okay. But I was, I was scrolling through, swiping the uh, the opposite way. I think it's swiping left. Uh, it's been that long. Swiping left, just no, 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 and then just this this big beautiful smile comes on, and that's mm. that's one of my uh, that's one of my things. I like I, I love a good smile. Uh, I think that comes from the fact that my my bottom teeth are, are terrible. Um, I I knocked all four of them out when I was a child, and only three grew back, and I've had problems with them ever since. So I, I tend to focus on uh, other people's beautiful smiles, and she was just sat there so unapologetically her and i i really responded to that straight away from the photo like because she's you know people smile even if it's a teethy smile people smile like <laughs> and it, it's kind of half arsed on photos yeah. Yeah. you know like maddie on her photo was like this <laughs> you know and you, you could tell it was genuine and then you, you i read a bit about her we had similar interests like we both like rock climbing bouldering and uh and that kind of thing she's She's head to toe covered in tattoos, which I like in a woman um, uh, on a on a personal level. Um, and so, yeah, we 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 started speaking uh, ahead of time, and she she remarked like, uh, on uh, on my uh, my my skills as a mentalist. And she, she this was like a, a couple of weeks after we'd been dating, 
And it's just, I've never given anybody my number that fast at all. Well, what can I say? You know, <laughs> must be our connection. She was like, you, you did, you did something, didn't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, she's, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things like we've, we've been together th three years now. Um, we're getting married just before our fourth year together and we've never had a crossword said to each other at all, never a disagreement, never anything. And I think that's such a rare thing for, yeah. for relationships nowadays. Not that it doesn't go on, but everybody seems to bicker and point score and uh, you do this so I can do this. You have your time on the Xbox or the PlayStation so I can do this and that kind of back and forth. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's just with us, it's just two grown-ups talking about things. Don't be wrong. If That's not to say one of us doesn't piss the other person off, but we'll just have a conversation about it. You did this today and I think you're a dick. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so let's 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 talk about it and, and carry on from there as opposed to getting offended. I didn't do this and I, ah, you know. Um, you're on yeah, the same she's, team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely. We're on the same team. Absolutely. Because yeah, I like that. We're on the same team. We're working towards that goal together of of having a life together. Why would you want to work against each other to to get towards that? Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, your your team member uh, may need you to speak up when they, when you need something to be different. And that particular person, um, if they're on the same team, would want the same end result. Therefore, they would hear it out and absolutely. deeply consider that. Absolutely makes sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a bitch. 100%. She, she's, she's very much the one, you know, the, the proverbial one. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 as soon as I start talking about her, I start to stutter because I get very uncomfortable talking about mushy stuff. But like, I, I, re I really feel that for her because she's amazing and I love her to bits. Oh, oh you're, in, you're in good company here. Uh, Saturday good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we like the mushy stuff. Yeah. We know, love love. It's very manly. You know, mushy is manly. I I agree. It it's takes a, it take, takes a great degree of vulnerability to um yeah. to be able to talk about that confidently. One oh, of the yeah. one, one of the first films, sorry, there's a fly buzzing around. One of the first <laughs> films we watched together was was Moulin Rouge and that that those kind of epic love stories, uh, Moulin Rouge, Romeo and Juliet, and there's a few others. Um, but we, we absolutely love what, yeah, we, we, we have these sort of moments where we're just talking to each other afterwards, like uh, about certain parts or certain songs. And it's just really nice, you know, just yeah. to have that kind of conversational connection. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, you, you, we, we got to bring badassness to, to romance, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah, and with all the tattoos that you both have, it's naturally <laughs> badass, right? So, you know, just like, do you see this tattoo, right? <clears throat> I can be as mushy as I want, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> License. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I might start talking about it like... Yeah. <laughs> That's about as sort of pseudo masculine as I get. I'm I'm not manly at all. <laughs> I might look oh. like a grizzly bear, but I'm I'm really not. <laughs> yeah, until until the stare comes out. Oh yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. So, hey, 
you know, Ben, you talked a lot about this class. Uh, how, how do people take this class? How do people find what you do and hire you and, and learn more and get involved with, 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 with maybe point people in the right direction and help them remember it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, uh, it depends on the way that you learn. Um, if you like the more visual stimulus, then YouTube <laughs> is definitely the way to go. If you, if you put in my name, Ben Cardle, which if you could remember all of the cards, you'll never forget my name anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it. I need the, the kind of the, the double guns at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's got my uh, my resources from there. It's got the details of the uh, of the Memory Palace course attached because it's a, it's a visual recording of a podcast. If you can put up with uh, with mine and Adam's fairly juvenile humor in parts because uh, that's that's we we're, we're nothing but big kids and we 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 still laugh at uh, uh, toilet humor and like i'm a father of two and i, I still laugh at that i think it's mm -hmm. it's uh, it's it's one of those things so if you can put up with that at times you'll be fine um uh failing that the um the company that i currently work for as the director of behavioral insight is uh, is pro cipher um uh, ProCypher.co uh, is, is the website. You can find me on my website, all of the cards again, bencardle.com. Uh, pretty much if, if it exists online, uh, you can you can you can find me there. Uh, the, the resource that m most people tend to go for uh, initially is is my book, The Monographs, which um How do you spell can, the monographs. So M-O-N-O-G-R-A-P-H, the monographs. Uh, it, it was it was a Sherlockian title. Whenever he referenced a paper that he wrote on a particular topic, it was always a monograph mm. um, on uh, on something. So I, I thought I'd fairly obviously choose that as the title for my book. Oh, hey, who's this? Oh, this is Misa. Hi, this is Misa. little little Misa. Yeah, she came up to say hi. So uh, you know, she's a little fluffball. Her nickname is Aww. you know Mrs. Mrs. Fluffy Pants. You know, <laughs> so uh, she decided to come before be, be, before we wrap this up. She got had to make an appearance. You know, oh, so she's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. No, it's, oh, I, she's I, purring too. Oh, I, I can hear it. I can yeah. hear it vaguely. We've got, we've got, um, I, I don't know. He's probably uh, belly up from his food. When I, when I met Maddie, she had a cat. She's got, his, his name is Rufus. Um, oh, excellent. After, uh, after the, uh, the, the, the car, I said, I think is it Dreamstone? Um, and the like, there's a, there's a character in there called Rufus, really old cartoon. Um, but yeah, I've, I've digressed now because uh, animals have, uh, have come onto the table. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could talk about animals all day. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I really us could. too, us too. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the monographs is probably uh, the, the more readily accessible version as it's just come out on Audible uh, as well. Oh. And there is, there is a remarkable fellow reading it. It's not me. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, the, the, the initial version was me, but I was tasked with doing it, doing it myself. And I, I'm a technological idiot. Uh, I, I, I tried close to three years to get it onto the ACX website. And there was a time where if I would sort of go at one point, then the, the whole thing wouldn't get done. And I, I, I struggle to have 14 hour windows where I can read the whole thing. Wow. So there's this there's this great guy. I think his name's something like JT Daniel or JT McDaniel or something like this, but he's a really kind of refined old English man, mm. and he uh, just sounds like the the kind of guy that you would want reading you a campfire story. Mm. You know, he's it, it's that kind of voice, and it's it's really cool. All right, all right. So that's on Audible. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take. I'll, I'll check it out. 
<laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I'll buy it with one of my credits. You know? <laughs> and, and you I, have, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's also in, uh, is it also in print though too? Yes. 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 So the, uh, the original, uh, it's a softback and a hardback that you yeah. can get, uh, that you can get from Amazon, the publisher, they do uh, digital printing. So the books, they don't actually, um, exist until you order them. Okay. And they, uh, I think it's, I think it saves on shipping costs and the like, but that's, that's technical things that they take care of. Um, so rather than books being stored physically in a location, they send the request for an order and it's digitally printed, um, in the kind of country or place that it needs to be. Mm. Uh, so I, I think it gets to the proverbial you quicker that way as well. Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm partial to, to hardcover. So I'll be picking up a hardcover version of that book. Um, do you ever make it to the States? Uh, I, I do. Uh, when, when I'm allowed out of the country, um, we are, we're, we're still stuck in uh, lockdown over here at the minute. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to come over to the States more because where that it, it, it seems busy enough that it kind it can kind of feed my need to observe. Like, yes. um, that's, that's why whenever I take the opportunity, not just because of the stories and the like, I will always go to London, um, in the UK because it's busy, it's bustling, but it has those little secluded areas where if I want to get out of the way and take five and breathe and be quiet, then, then I can do. Uh, and that's 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 kind of what I like about the appeal of most uh, most parts of America. I'm sure there are very quiet areas uh, oh, yeah. as well in in between. Uh, but yeah, I'd I'd love to come out there more. It's it's uh, it's a wonderful place. Last time I went, I, where did I go last time? Uh, it was it was L.A. Uh, last time I was over in the states. Forty minutes from us. Oh wow! No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. So when you come out, um, it would be wonderful to connect with you. Hundred percent. I will definitely do. And, that. and my sister's moving to Ealing. I'm not sure how far Ealing is from you. Uh, Ealing, Ealing's about two and a half hours from me okay. in the car. Well, you well, yeah. uh, and and I have several other friends, uh, James uh, Trip and and uh, of course Jonam and Lily. <laughs> yeah. I'll, you know, there's tons of people I have that are friends there. So when I visit, I, I will definitely make sure that I come see you. Hundred percent, my friend. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make you an oatcake. <laughs> Ooh. <Fantastic. laughs> Ooh, Carlos, bring me one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Aldi or not, you'll get one, Sam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fax it to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this has been a great conversation with both. Thank of you for having me. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Awesome. This was great, Ben. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show too. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my rambling. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for making Sherlock Holmes real. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. Right. <laughs> so, all right. Awesome. <laughs> You've been listening to the Authenticity Show with your hosts Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Very special thanks to our guest, the deductionist Ben Cardall. My name is Oliver Altine. I produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. Please remember to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social media. It means like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, check out our YouTube page, and you can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day. Authenticity.